0: Hey there, Ass Kickers. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. As always, I am so glad that you are here. I'm especially glad this week. Maybe this is your very first time listening to the podcast. If it is, you might want to jump over to last week's episode, episode number 253, because this is part... Two of that same episode. I have started a series called Conversations About Shit That Matters with Unqualified People, where I'm having conversations with my actual friends where we take a topic, a big topic, hence Talking about shit that matters. And we are not experts on this. We are women who are unpacking our own stuff around it, who are trying to make sense of it. We're trying to heal around it. And it's something I wanted to start because. I still have stuff that I'm unpacking, and I think it's helpful to listeners to listen to these conversations and maybe do some unpacking and learning and healing themselves. At least that's my hope. Last week was a conversation, a long conversation. Thank you all for sticking with me. It was, I'm almost positive... The longest in the history of your Kick Ass Life podcast. 260-something episodes we have now. It was the longest episode. I didn't anticipate that. I knew we had a lot to talk about and I didn't want to rush it. So thank you for staying with us throughout that podcast episode. And as you'll hear in the beginning of this conversation that I have with Kate, we after you know, a couple hours after that conversation, we decided we needed to do a part two. For a couple of reasons, and I will, I'll let the episode unfold as it will. And we had no idea how this, this um, conversation was going to go, and it ended up being a little bit longer than we had anticipated. But alas. I guess we have a lot of unpacking to do. I wanted to remind you something I'm really excited about. I have, I kind of hate calling it a training, but I don't have a better word for it. If anybody has a better word for it, let me know, (laughs) hit me up on Instagram. (laughs) But there was a couple of topics that came up during my last Daring Way retreat in September. And I decided, you know what? This would be a great thing to talk about, to teach y'all about on a free video call that I'm doing for y'all on Friday November 9th at 12:30 Eastern time. No need to sign up for anything. Just mark that in your calendar November 9th, 12:30 Eastern time. That's 9:30 Pacific. And the link is simply yourkickasslife.com/call. You will go there. You don't have to be on video. It would be fun if you could. I'll be there on video with bells on. I might not have bells, but I will at least have my hair brushed that day. I can promise you that I'm going to go over two main topics, female friendships and more specifically, trust. How do we trust women again when we have been betrayed? When we have not a great history of having these close, connected, intimate female friendships. Many of y'all know that I have a really great friendship with my best friend, Amy Smith, and with my friend Kate that you'll hear today. These friendships. Have been nurtured for a long time. It did not come easy for me personally. And I'm going to share with you some tips and tools and strategies on how to have trust again in your female friendships, as well as the whole concept of feeling good enough. What does that actually mean? What does it look like? And how do we do this? Is it a mindset issue? Is it some tip tool strategy that we all can implement? Once we get there, quote unquote, is it, you know, something with longevity? Do we have to keep practicing it? What does it actually mean and look like and how do we do it? I'm going to be talking about that as well. Those are two topics that are so incredibly important that I can't wait to talk about, train, teach, educate, whatever you want to call it. November 9th, 12:30 Eastern, slash call <laughs> One more thing, at the end of this episode, I have decided to have my fabulous podcast producer, Darlene, put in the recording of the poem that I wrote. My gosh, did I write it last year? I think I wrote it last year in 2017, and I read it slash performed it for y'all back in February. You might remember it. I got a lot of messages about it. The poem is called My Resignation, and I know that there might be a lot of new listeners here that either haven't gone back that far to listen or might have missed it altogether. I feel like it's appropriate to put it back um, on the podcast because I mentioned it a couple of times in this episode, and it feels very connected for this topic. I will tell you this, and then I'll get into it. This episode was hard for me to record. Last week was... It was uncomfortable, but it was fine. It just felt like a regular kind of heated conversation with my girlfriend. And this week was a little bit different. I will say, trigger warning, she and I talk about, I'm still having a hard time calling it assault, and you'll hear why but we talk about some stuff, our experiences with some things that happened to us um, that have to do with sex and not, I'll just say this, non-consensual sex. And you'll hear about it. I don't need to go into any more explanation or prefacing at all. I just wanted to make sure that I, that I mentioned that this episode is not for children. And I don't really think that any of them are, (laughs) but you know, You parent the way you want to parent. Um, You know, there's usually foul language in my episodes, but this particular topic, we definitely talk about sex and just letting you all know that ahead of time because I care about y'all and want you to just know that ahead of time. All right. So without further ado, here is part two, conversations about shit that matters with unqualified people, your host, Andrea Owen, and my dear friend, Kate Anthony. Wait, just kidding. One more quick thing. For the first 10 minutes or so of this particular conversation, the audio on my end isn't its usual crisp self. Again, it's just for the first 10 minutes. It's a long story that involves a new Skype account on my end and audio settings, and I'm so sorry, but I ended up fixing it about 10 minutes in. So now we're ready. Without further ado, here is your host, Andrea Owen, and my dear friend, Kate
1: Anthony. Welcome back, Kate. Thanks for having me, Andrea. <laughs> it
0: hasn't <laughs> been long.
1: Well, it's been a few days. It's just been a few days, but you know, once you open that Pandora's box, right? Yeah, and I was
0: telling people in the intro from last week, kind of, you know, confession truth time, here's what I had planned on doing and here's what didn't happen and here's the reason. So for anyone that missed that episode, This episode, I guess, will kind of make sense. It won't be completely weird, but I highly encourage you to go listen to that uh, other episode. It was uh, 253, talking about rape culture with Kate Anthony, um, hashtag me too. And this is me too part two, (laughs) (laughs) part two. And I, well, I, I reached out to, here's what happened. We had that episode, which was super long, longest episode I think I've ever done. And I reached out to you and messaged you and says, "Hey, do you think we missed anything? Was there anything that kind of came up or bubbled up after our conversation?" And you said, "What?"
1: I said, "I don't remember what I said. I think I said." I, don't I, think I, said <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you did. I was like, "Oh, am I on the spot?" I think what I said was, "We could talk about this probably forever." Yeah. Um, but I did say, I think that that neither of us actually got into the nitty-gritty details of things that had happened to us yeah. specifically. Um, why didn't and, you? And then I'll tell you why I didn't. Why didn't I? Yeah. Um, you know, I think that we were talk. I mean, I talked – I did tell a couple of stories Um, about, you know, being harassed or whatever. Um, I don't know. It just – you know, to be honest, I don't think it flowed organically in the uh-huh. conversation, <laughs> okay, which I'm not enough. sure – how it ever organically flows in a conversation, but, um, yeah, although
0: me too, too, I think, and it, well, and mine, I think was a little bit more deliberate. I, I had planned on it and then chickened out, honestly, like I was kind of watching the time and I'm like, okay, we have, you know, we've been recording for 50 minutes if it feels like a good segue. And it just never felt like a good segue. But I think even if it was, even if you would have said, Tell me about your assault story, Andrea. I would have been like, "Well, now we're out of time."
1: (laughs) (laughs) Which, by the way, I just wouldn't have done. That's no, I know you wouldn't. Um, I think I think a a, a kind of a. It's funny, you know. As I just said, like when does a when does a rape story ever flow organically? I I had this uh, flashback to being on the beach for your fortieth birthday. Yeah, and that was the first time I think that I ever put my finger on the fact that what happened to me was rape. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if we've talked about this. Can I tell that story? <laughs> yeah. Why don't, yeah.
0: Well, why, this is a, a good, a segue as any, Us, you yeah. know, super professional well, podcasters. hmm
1: well, it was just, I was going to tell the story of not necessarily my, my right, but I mean, I will, um, but that we were sitting on the beach and it was a group of coaches, right? So it was Andrea and Amy and me and our friend Courtney, um, and our friend Becca, right? I think it was just, just us, just right? Of us. And we just started talking and it re- we realized that every single one of us had a story, and I don't know how it came up. I don't know how it flowed. I think it was Courtney who probably started it. And it, it was kind of mind blowing to me. And in my world, I was like, well, I've never been raped. Um, and then I was like, well, this thing happened to me. And you guys were like, uh, yeah, that that's rape.
0: Mm-hmm. It's not <laughs> consensual. It was not consensual. So well, I yeah. want to stop you for a second. It's like for the record, not not all five of us had a rape story, but everyone had a traumatic story. That's what we were sharing. Yeah. So there was a couple of them that it wasn't rape, but it was something that had happened to them in their past. That was truly traumatic. I, I don't know. It was just like sharing time. <laughs> and uh-huh. Uh-huh. that's how, that's how the conversation happened. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Continue.
1: Yes. No, that's a good, that's a good distinction. Cause I don't, I don't know that every all of us had been raped, but yes. And, you know, I guess, For me, should I just go into my my story? Yes, I
0: do want you to share your story. But I think I want to preface this whole part of the conversation by saying, and I I told this before, but I, I think it's worth repeating, is that the reason that I wanted to do this is to to shed the light on stories like this that might not, and and I hesitated, here's why I hesitated on telling these stories because I have a handful of friends, a very small handful of friends who I hear their stories. And to me, that is legitimate rape. And yep. I'm using, you know, air quotes over here because I feel like my story isn't as important enough. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, it wasn't violent and I'll get into it, but it's, it's still something that, was traumatic for me. And it took me a long time to admit that it was traumatic and I didn't want to come on here. I made up a story that I was, if I told my story and if you tell yours, then it's, it's dismissive to people who have more violent stories. Um, and the truth is, is like everybody's story matters. And I also think it might be helpful for people who have a story that's similar to mine, which I know that there are many, or maybe have a story that's similar to yours to realize that that wasn't okay. It wasn't okay yeah. at all. And I think, right. that, I think that truly your story and my story are, are real definitions of what rape
1: culture is. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I have I have the exact same feeling about claiming that I was, quote, raped because I feel like, hmm, you know, like there was nothing violent about it. You know, it wasn't a stranger. It wasn't the it wasn't the kind of rape that you think of as rape. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> when you think of the word rape, you think of something uh, like I think I do anyway. Like I think of something like violent, um, and usually like a stranger, something like that, right? Um and so i so for me to own the fact that i that what happened to me was rape was kind of a big deal and i felt like i didn't belong i felt like mm, i'm putting myself in a club i don't actually, actually belong in yeah um or club that's a terrible category I, I, yeah a, a category yeah that i don't really belong in but the f- the very fact that i feel like i don't belong i think um that we dismiss our experiences as not bad enough to count or qualify is rape culture. Right. Right. And that's, and that's why, that's why I own it. And I call it what it is, um, because I want other women to understand that that's what it is for them too. Okay. Yeah. Preface checked off. Great. Okay. I was in college. I had a boyfriend and, um, we were at a party. I have no idea what the date was. I have no idea what day it was. I can guess. Um, you know, I I I would have no idea what year it was. It's either 1989 or 1990. I don't know. The only reason I know that is because I know that that's when I was a freshman in college, and that's when I was dating this guy. Um, you know, which I think is important. And when I tell the story, I, I, I say that because now I say that because this was a part of, you know, this testimony of, of Christine Blasey Ford, where people were like, well, she doesn't even know when it happened. Yeah. No, we don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I have no idea when it happened. Um, I know that we were at a party at my, at, at our friend's house who always had parties. And I remember this very clearly, I remember being at the door. I know I was drunk, and I don't know how I remember this. Right? It's amazing the stuff that sticks. But I remember very clearly my friend Rhett saying to my boyfriend, um, "Hey, man, she's really fucked up. Don't do anything stupid while she when she passes out." And I don't. I don't have no idea how we got home. Um, I assume we might've taken a cab, but I literally have no idea. Uh, we went to his dorm room and I kind of remember getting into bed and passing out. But what I remember vividly is waking up the next morning and not having my underwear on and feeling sticky. And I have a vague memory maybe of turning to him and sort of saying like, what happened? Um, and him saying, well, you know, you were, you were passed out, you were moaning, you were moaning, so I think you liked it. So, so yeah, I mean, that's what happened, right? And it was years before, it was really, and it was partly the conversation that we had on the beach, and then it was partly the Brock Turner case where I was like, okay, mm-hmm. um, I was passed out. I, I was not able to give consent, and this man just helped himself to what he wanted, and I told my friend Rhett recently about it, um, and I said, "Remember when you said this?" And of course, I don't think he remembered. It was like you know, <laughs> just a par freshman, you know, party freshman year, and uh, and I said, "Well, he did, and he was so horrified, and I think he felt guilty. Like, did I, did I plant that seed? Did I?" And I was like, "No, no, no, no." I was like, "You tried to protect me." You saw what was coming and you tried to protect me. And that's what we need more of. Yeah. You know. And I was actually telling him not to tell I I was telling him to acknowledge um to acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. That he had done that. And I remember that very vividly. So I mean, that's my story. And again, like nothing dramatic, but here's what I do know. Here's what I do know. I do know that trauma lives in the body. I do know that um there's some research and science done around the fact that when you, um, that every time like you have non-consensual sex or you have sex that you don't actually really want to have, whether you consent or not, that it kind of, it, there, I don't remember what it was. It was like something, some barrier, like it starts to create like a um, a physiological barrier in the body, right? And And I've done that so many times, by the way, you know, consensually. Mm -hmm. Um, But so, yeah, I mean, that's my story. It's not dramatic. But I'm I'm
0: assuming, like, I don't know. I'm assuming it's more common than we
1: would like to believe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is super common. I, you know, in my work, I will say um, working with women, um, who are trying to decide whether or not to leave their marriages. I hear this a lot. Yeah. I hear a lot that their husbands are having sex with them when they're asleep or passed out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have to let them know that like, no, 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 it's not okay. It's not okay. But he's my husband. Uh, uh, no, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's not
0: consensual. Yeah. Yeah. And I know last week we talked about coerced consent that's happened to me. I mean, (laughs) more times than like, where I actually do end up saying yes. Right. But it was not, it was like heavily talked into. And I was, I was talked into saying yes, for fear of being rejected or, um, taunted or my reputation, you know, like those types of things saying yes out of fear.
1: Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And then you know the story that I told last week, right? Like when I didn't do it, I, that actually did come true. Like yeah. I was taunted. I had a similar I, experience. You know, I said no, and I was hu- publicly humiliated for mm-hmm. it. Yeah, yep. I was too in high school. Yeah.
0: Wow. I I just it's an interesting story. I was never someone who like the whole term, like pass out, I've just, I've, Mm. you know, and I, you know, I talk to a lot of people who are in recovery and they talk about blackouts and never, I don't, I can ever remember a blackout. Like, I just, I think that we have different sleep patterns as, as humans. And I don't ever remember that happening to me. But then again, like maybe I don't know because I was passed out and and who knows, I used to drink a lot
1: in high school and after. Yeah. I mean, in terms of like Pat, like, I mean, I just went to sleep basically. Like I didn't pass, I didn't like pass out, you know, before we got home or whatever. Like we just got into bed and I went to sleep, but it was a, because it was full of alcohol, it was a deep, deep, deep sleep that I was not being woken from. Yeah. Where I think, you know, had I, had I been sober, I would have been, you know, more disturbed. Yeah. It's, It's so interesting how,
0: well when I think about, I think about my daughter, you know, she's only nine, so we're not having these conversations quite yet, but Mm -hmm. I think about what I'm going to say to her in terms of, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing and taking classes on like how to do this because y'all, I do not know-how to talk about consent and things like that. I'm learning now because I know my my son is 11. So that conversation is going to happen shortly. And with my daughter, you know, I look back at my own high school experiences and I don't know about y'all listening, but like, I kind of try to connect the dots of like, okay, how I was raised and Mm -hmm. what I saw with my parents, there was, um, I'm so lucky that I never saw any verbal or physical or emotional abuse happening. And I didn't even watch like violent movies. Like to me, that kind of world never existed. And, and I know that is not the experience of of many people listening, but I, I think back and look at like my very first experience. I, I talked last week about my, my very first like quote unquote, real boyfriend who used to feel me up, which I did not want him to do, but I let him do it anyway on mm-hmm. the backseat with his mom driving us to the movies. Um, right. And then he broke up with me because I would not go any further with him. And I was, I think, 14 at the time. Then once I turned 15, like the hormones, just like all bets were off. It was like dry humping.
1: Yeah, let's get it on.
0: <laughs> I was ready. And um, my my next boyfriend, oh God, he was so sweet. And I just, I think I sort of hit the jackpot in terms of like that because he was patient. He was, never, you know, never coerced, um, consent at all, waited until I was ready. (laughs) He was my first. Um, and then he just, he was just respectful in so many regards. And we trusted each other and did a lot of exploring sexually and had complete trust in each other. And I I think like, my God, what a great experience I had to learn about sex with him and like what I like, what I didn't like and same with him. And, um, he was raised by a single mom. I have no idea. I've, I've Every once in a while I think about, because he and I are Facebook friends, and I'm like, can I should I ask him? But I just feel like, no, no, it's not an appropriate conversation. And he's married with children. I'm like, no. Yeah. But I'm curious, like, what, did his mom have conversations with him? Did I, or, or did, was he just sort of born that way and, and respectful? But then here's the interesting thing is my next boyfriend after him was my junior year of high school. He was six foot four, Two hundred and thirty pounds when we were seventeen, y'all. So he was Whoa. this gigantic man child, <laughs> yeah, right? Who had never had sex before. Who made me feel bad for not being a virgin with him. First and foremost, mm-hmm, let's start mm-hmm. there. Let's made me start feel there. guilty and ashamed for already having had sex before, mm-hmm. and then. He he was the one – some of you might remember the poem that I wrote called My Resignation where I mention the guy who used to take my head and, like, put it towards his crotch in a yeah. lovely invitation to give him a blowjob. Sometimes I protested and sometimes I just did it. And Ugh. he also – I think I might have told you the story, Kate. Oh, my God. So maybe I haven't. That was a time – where his parents weren't home. We were having sex in his bedroom. He was on top of me and that the room is dark. And I look up kind of like over his shoulder and there's, the room is mostly dark and there's a red light in his open closet. No, And I said, what is that light? And he like dismissed it. And I, (laughs) I don't know, maybe a minute or two later was like, okay, this isn't, this isn't, okay. And I said, no, what is that? And then he dismissed it again. And I pushed him off me and turned the light on. And sure enough, there's a fucking video camera in his closet. And I lost my 17 year old shit and was like, no, 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 no. And I got dressed and I called my ex-boyfriend to come and get me. Wow. Because I didn't have anyone else to call. I don't remember if it was because none of my friends drove at the time. I didn't have my license yet. And he came and got me. And I remember just getting in the car and he didn't even, he didn't say a word. And it wasn't like he was mad at me. It just was like, you know, you're the person who's going to like, how fucking sweet is that? Like he came and that got me. I so sweet. That's I can't so remember sweet. if I told him what happened or not. Hmm. If I didn't, it was because I was ashamed and was like, Because I think he'd... I don't even remember the details of it, but I distinctly remember that car ride home in that white Grand Prix. It was his mom's car. And (laughs) and I got back together with the the boyfriend and he profusely apologized. And I asked him point blank, like, what were you planning on doing with that? And he told me he was going to show his friends. Oh my God. And I said, well, did you get any footage? And he was like, no, because it was dark. I'm like, well, you're a fucking idiot. Like...
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was, that was my, I was like, hmm, wait a minute. (laughs) He said no, that there was nothing. Um, Oh oh my God. And I don't know,
0: like, I don't even know if that's actually true. I didn't make him show me. I don't know. And so like, I, all that to say, I try to connect the dots. Like, how did I learn that that was acceptable? Like I I knew like from a very visceral place, obviously like not okay, not okay to do what he did, but then I got back together with him. Right and and like, like that's
1: that's rape culture sorry. right there. Like accepting that. Yep. Yep. Hundred percent. Because we do that, right? We accept their apologies. Like, well, he's sorry. He won't he do was it again. So sorry, but the fact that he did it the first time is a really clear indicator of the kind of person he is. <laughs> he was a peach. Yeah,
0: he was he well, and he also there was also like major other glaring problems, which I did end up breaking up with him. He he like kind of half jokingly wrote rules for me that I wasn't allowed to hang out with my ex-boyfriend. Like, he named him. Uh-huh. I wasn't even allowed to hang out with all of his friends and just all these different it, like it was yeah. like kind of like, ha, ha ha But we knew that there was like seriousness to it. He would hold me by the arm at parties to not walk away from uh, him. Oh, uh, oh. Uh. Yeah. No. Yeah, it all came to a head and just and and ended in this like just screaming fight at a party. It was very dramatic and teenagery. But you know, before I like procrastinate and drag my feet anymore, like lo- I was I was about to call you out a little gently and lovingly. Okay. Well, <laughs> I just I wanted to name that story too because it's it's sort of like all part of the equation. And then my senior yeah. year I started dating the man that eventually became my first husband. So I started dating him when I was, um, yeah, I was still 17, hadn't turned 18 yet. And then, or was I, I can't, I honestly, it doesn't matter. So at this point, this was the summer after my senior year. So it was the summer of 1994. And I remember it because there was that Lisa Loeb song that was so popular at the time. Mm -hmm. And you say, I only hear what I I want want to that one. Yeah. Uh huh. I was hanging around a lot with my friend, we'll call her Tasha, not her real name. Um, And she had met this guy or group of guys, can't remember which, and there was this one particular guy, um, and I'll just name his first name, I'll just call him that because that was his name. And it's the same name as my husband, but definitely not the same person. This guy's name was Jason. And he was super cute. You know, he was out of our group of normal guys that we went to high school with and he lived down in Pacific beach, which he called us inland girls because, you know, we lived <laughs> in San Diego, but we lived more inland. And it was, and it was, it was a mild insult that he was calling us inland girls because sure. we weren't, you yeah. know, we weren't true yeah. beach girls, you know, like uh-huh. right, because yeah, yeah, we yeah. ghastly lived, you know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes from the beach. Mm-hmm. And, um, he had his own status. apartment. Yeah, he was, like, 20, maybe 21 or 22, and he, he lived, like, with a roommate or something. So it was, like, that very, like, cool guy, you know, type of vibe. And um, I we partied with them, and my friend Tasha was very much the party girl. Like, any time I ever got, like, totally shit drunk was always with her. She was the one—I think we all have that friend who we go to the bathroom and come back, and she's bought two round of shots for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. That was her, always encouraging yeah. to drink tequila and and that type of thing. So I always ended up completely shit-faced with her. And I think that it was the 4th of July, but I can't remember. And I also can't remember—I don't think that he and I had hooked up ever before that. I'm almost positive of that because I had a boyfriend at the time. So I was dating— my, my boyfriend who, um, we need to come up with a name for him. Let's call him Thomas. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I was dating Thomas at the time who came, who became my first husband. And, you know, we'd been together for a, a couple of years at that point, And I, but I knew I had a crush on this guy, Jason. And so we had gone out that night. Tasha and I had gone out that night. And I think we were like separated from him for a while because we were hanging out with this other group of people in Pacific Beach, drinking, having fun, almost positive. If it was the 4th of July, there was probably fireworks involved. But at that point, like, I don't remember because things get really fuzzy. We ended Mm -hmm. up at Jason's apartment and ended up in his bedroom making out And I remember this bedroom. There were two twin beds in there. And I remember thinking, does he share this room with someone? This is sort of weird. And then I remember being on my back in his bed and thinking, I think he assumes we're going to have sex. Mm -hmm. And distinctly remember thinking that I did not want to do that. I wanted to make out. And that was it. And I felt really guilty because I was cheating on my boyfriend. Yeah. And I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to be that person. I had never, (laughs) I had remained monogamous to him that whole time. And I, I didn't want to be that person. And, you know, there was suspicion that he had cheated on me and I knew how bad that felt. And I didn't, I didn't want to. And I remember him on top of me and he was not a large dude at all. He wasn't necessarily tall. He was maybe like five, seven or five, eight. I'm five, three and three quarters. So like he, and he wasn't, he was a, he was a small-ish man in stature, young man in stature. And I remember thinking just over and over again, like, I want this to stop. I want, I don't want to go any further, but it was clear that he had other plans. Mm -hmm. And I remember debating with myself, like, well, do I try to push him off me? Because I had been saying the word no over and over again, like in between Mm -hmm. kissing, but I was like, still Kissing him. Like, it wasn't like I was like turning my head away and trying to, but I like, he was starting to take my clothes off. And I was like, you know, trying to not allow him to take my clothes off. But it was, there was no like massive physical struggle. Do you know what I mean? Like, I do. Well, you're like moving your arm in a strategic way when he, like, or like he's trying to pull my dress off. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I want this to stay on. So he's like pulling it up and I'm like trying to pull it down. And it was, clear as day, like by my body language and what was happening that I did not want this to happen. And I was also saying no, but he was not responding like at all. Like he had, (laughs) it was, he had an agenda what he wanted (laughs) to do, but there was no conversation taking place. Right. And I did not have the courage to try to push him off me to sit up and look at him and say, I'm done and walk out of the room. And I debated doing all of these things. And I, it's so like, my stomach is like churning right now as I tell this story, because it's so people, cause people say like, well, you were drunk. How do you remember this? I don't know. I can't explain it to you. I remember distinctly debating with myself and being afraid to take any action that could cause him to fight back, that could cause him to say something mean to me that could rock the or, boat in any way. And I'm like or frantically more aggressive. Right. Like, I how mean, do that's... I get out of this situation? Right. I was afraid yeah. I've never been in that situation before where yeah. I have, where I have said no clearly. And the person didn't listen. You know, it's like, right. I didn't, I didn't have any experience with, um, not being heard like that and just go like, Oh my God, what the fuck do I do? And, yeah, and trying not to show my panic at the same time, like, okay, well, and then I just was like, okay, I think like this is going to happen. There was no protection. And I remember thinking, well, if I just am quiet, like, and maybe it'll like, just be fine. And I just distinctly remember laying on my back in this room and, um, I don't at that point remember if like my dress was up around my neck or if he had gotten it completely off. I don't, I don't remember that part, but I just remember thinking maybe if I act like I'm into it, Mm -hmm. it'll be over with faster. And then, um, and then I can just go home. Yeah. And then it was over Um, And again, there was no violence. There was no, he wasn't like holding his hand over my mouth or my throat or anything like that. So I've never, ever in a million years would remotely think that that was, that it was any kind of assault. Never. I would have vehemently denied that if some, if I had told someone that story, I didn't even, I never even told the story. I never even told the story that it happened like that. Tasha knew that we had sex and that was it. Never told her what was actually going on. And then I left the room. I got dressed and I left the room. And she had driven us there. And she was sleeping in his living room on the couch. And I went out. I left his apartment building. And there was a 7-Eleven right next door. It was like a corner kind of 7-Eleven. And this was, you know, it was 1994. So there were pay phones. And I... Got a quarter, and I called Thomas. It was the middle of the fucking night. Mm. I called him crying. And I said, I'm in PB, and I need you to come and get me.
1: Mm.
0: And he was like, where are you exactly? What happened? Tell me what happened. And I said, nothing Nothing happened. Um, I'm just drunk, and I don't want to stay here. And Tosh has passed out. I don't want to stay in this place. And he was like, where are you? What street are you on? And I hung up because— I was like, what the fuck am I going to tell him? Right. Like, like what am I going to tell him, the truth? And right. then my boyfriend at the time was aggressive and would have murdered this guy. So I hung up and then I got home the next morning and there was like 10 messages. I lived in an apartment with my mom at the time because... My parents had gotten divorced the previous year and me and my mom were living in an apartment and there were like 10 messages on our answering machine from him, from my boyfriend in tears. And his mom, I called their house and his mom answered. And she was like, honey, we have been driving around PB all night looking
1: for you. (gasps) Oh no.
0: And I was, I felt like the worst person in the world, Kate, because I'm like, I just fucked this other dude and called my boyfriend crying Mm-hmm. To come and get me, and then hung up on him, he has no recourse to call me back and wakes his mom up in the middle of the night to help him go and find me. Like I'm a horrible human being. like who does mm-hmm. that? So it's like, who the fuck am I going to tell? like what really happened?
1: Right. And
0: then no, it gets worse and then, oh great. So I felt so bad about what I did and just and and really kind of surprised, like it was the first time that he had ever showed me like that much emotion like that he really cared about me that much and then i don't know how long later it was maybe a a week or two i was out again with tasha and with him with this jason guy and i don't know how we ended up like it was like you know like ugh, lookout point or something like that i don't even remember where it was and i ended up hooking up with him again and i mm. had sex with him and i remember mm. thinking this has to be okay. Right. Like this, it was as if, as if I was trying to make up for it by actually consenting to it. Right. And in the middle of it, in the middle of having sex with him. And I remember distinctly what I was wearing. I was wearing this baby doll dress. It was the nineties. It was so cute and it was cream on top and it had these flowers on it. And in the middle of it, like everything was saying no. And I did. And I said, I actually don't even want to do this. Like, I need you to get off me. And he did. He did. And that was it. And um, he took me home. And then, God, I can't honestly remember. I think it was that night that I invited him to my apartment um, because my mom was out of town. And then I can't remember, but I, I was trying to plan it out so that my boyfriend would come and see him. Like I wanted my boyfriend to kick his ass. I did, huh. but without telling him what was happening because, and it was just so immature and, and, and then it ended up did happening where Thomas came over, Jason was there, there was an argument that ensued, Thomas is accusing me of, you know, what I was actually doing, but cheating on him <laughs> for the real reason. Right. And then that Jason dude left because he knew he was about to get his just annihilated Mm -hmm. and figured like I wasn't just not worth it. And then Thomas punched a hole in the wall in our apartment. Mm -hmm. Um, because that's how he was. And he used to do that all the time. You know, he accused me of cheating on him. I denied it. And then I had to, and then I had to redeem myself from that. Mm. And fast forward, what, 11 years when he and I were getting divorced out of sheer desperation and pain and agony that I was in you know my husband leaving me for another woman i sat down with him and in front of my mom and in front of his mom i said i don't know if you remember this but back in 94 that night and i re- reminded him and i told him what happened and he was mildly floored i think but like we were in such a bad place and you know he was in love with another woman and they were having a baby together so but like looking back on that that happened in 2006 like i was in so much pain and was just like what do i have to throw in his face give me anything i'm going to throw this in your face and so i did end up telling him but i wish i would have told
1: him sooner um did you describe it at the time no. as an assault or did you say i i just cheated on you
0: no i said that i said remember that guy and i said that he um, I don't even know if I used the word cause it was more or less to me. It was, it was date rape. It was, um, yeah. it wasn't even coerced consent because I didn't consent at all. Right. And, um, it just, no, I didn't. I just kind of like said what happened and didn't really describe it at all. Like in an attempt to hurt him. I see. Yeah. Okay. In an attempt to make him feel bad for me. And then it was just embarrassing. Right. Right. And just, but I saw that guy, I saw that Jason guy not long after that and walk, we were in downtown San Diego and I walked up to him and I, what surprised me was that I had a visceral reaction. Like I felt mm-hmm. sick to my stomach and I remember thinking, well, that's odd huh?" because right. I always yes. thought it was my fault. Right. It wasn't until 2014 when I went and did my training about shame and everything that this story came out as something I was deeply ashamed of.
1: Because
0: what I realized was when that happened, I mean, and that was sort of like the straw that broke the camel's back. That's when I really entered my love addiction and like full force and codependency and my eating disorder, because up until then, I had mostly felt like I was heard, you know, And, and like I was respect, like my voice was respected and heard for the most part. And after that, I feel like I didn't matter at all. I didn't matter. And that he was more important than I was. And it didn't matter if I said no, it didn't matter. And I didn't matter at all. Yep. Yep. And I believe that that's what I took away from that. And like, that's where my rage started that Mm. I didn't, I couldn't pinpoint it. And that I was so fucking angry about like, how dare you? not listen to me and to this culture, how fucking dare you make it okay for a young man to think that that is okay. Right. Yep. That was the basis of my rage. And it took until 2014 for that to all come out and make sense where I could finally admit, you know what? It
1: wasn't my fucking fault. It wasn't. I wasn't asking for it. I wasn't. No. Well, you were, not only were you not asking for it, you were asking for it to stop. To stop. Yeah. And I thought I was a slut.
0: I thought that I was totally fucked up. Just, like, who would, what kind of person cheats on their boyfriend, you know, has sex with, like, virtual strangers without using protection, um, lies about it. (laughs) Like, I was, I was, it was
1: decided that I was a
0: terrible yeah. human being.
1: Yep. Yeah. I
0: held on to that for a long time.
1: I'm sorry. had sucked. I'm sorry. I, it, it, yeah. It's funny because I don't have, I have, I have so many similar experiences and um, internalizations. Um, I think it's just the way our brains work differently because I don't remember – you remember stories and events really, really well. I do, and you're not the first and,
0: person that's told me that. A lot of my friends tell me that.
1: Yeah, and I, I don't – like I, I so relate to the experience and like the hundreds of times that this is ha- – these sorts of things have happened, but I don't, I don't hold on to – um, the specific events, uh, the way that you do. And maybe that's because my brain, bl- my brain like just doesn't want to know about it anymore. <laughs> um, but I just, I so relate to the experience, the, you know, like I said, like the strategic arm moving and the, like, you know, just putting your arm in front of your boobs so that he can't quite get to them yeah. or like sitting on your skirt or like whatever it is, right. The, the constant maneuverings to try and protect ourselves. Which is essentially our way of saying no without feeling like we have to actually fucking say no. Say it out loud. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I was doing all those things. And I've mentioned before, like, I remember how he smelled. And I mm. remember distinct aspects of his hair for some reason. And and also, you know, I think I made up a story, like, when women are assaulted, it's by scary-looking men, you know yes. a yeah. a handsome surfer boy wouldn't do something like that. Yeah. I believed that they wouldn't. Right.
1: I yeah. Did. Yep. Absolutely. I have the same they're like a stranger in an alley, you know, or with a knife. yeah, with a knife to your throat, something like that. Um no. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna go throw up now. Okay. <laughs> I want to can I can I leave this on a or tell a story that of like a the complete like antithesis yeah (laughs) about the experience my my experience in Mexico. Mm -hmm. So I was uh, recently in Mexico for our friend Kira's wedding, and Kira had sort of like engineered like this hookup between me and this guy, and I was a little like I don't like, I don't do weekend hookups. I'm a relationship girl. I'm not looking for, she's like, you could just make out for him for the weekend. I'm like, I don't, that's just not, I don't know that interested. <laughs> Thank you. <J-Hub>. <laughs> <Woo-hoo>. <laughs> like, what well, for what? Like, give me a fucking break. Right. Um, but, um, I met the guy and he was just lovely, you know, and he's from Wisconsin. So he's like extra lovely, Um, he's, you know, older than I am. He's a, you know, he teaches high school special ed, like he's lovely. (laughs) And we ended up having a really, you know, great time at the wedding together and talking. And then we ended up, you know, walking back, we were all going to go into the pool. we were all going to go to Kira's pool, like at her villa. And he was very sweet, just like put his hand on my back and was just sort of, you know, walking with me very gentlemanly and, you know, and he said, would it be okay since your room is closer if I walked you to your room so that you can get your bathing suit and then I can walk you back, you know, over to Kira's. And I was like, that he said, I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, do anything. I, I'm just, I just, you know, since your uh-huh. room is closer and I just thought it'd be nice to walk with you. And I was like, oh, that that's really sweet. And I was like, yeah, sure. Let's do that. So we did. And then we go to the pool and then we get kicked out of the pool. But at this point, it's clear that he and I have chemistry and that we kind of wanted to hang out more. And the pool was a nice sort of segue to, you know, having this makeout session happen. Um, Long story short, we ended up, uh, we didn't end up having sex um, the first night, but we ended up like making out and talking. And that man, literally every step of the way, he asked for consent every step of the way. He asked if he, if I would like to come up to his room and he was clarified, like, I am not trying to get in your pants. I, you know, we just don't really have anywhere to go. <laughs> you know, I have a bottle of wine if you want some, like, but if not, like totally understand. And I was like, no, he just made me feel safe every step of the way. Um, to the point where I was actually leading, you know, at some point, um, you know, we ended up in the bed. Cause I was like, let's go lie down. Like we're like sitting in a hotel room, like where else are you going to go? And, you know, by the time the second that like, you know, we, we fast tracked this because obviously we were like, you know, in Mexico. And by that point I actually wanted to have sex. Like I really wanted to have sex. Mm -hmm. I have not had sex in a while. I really wanted to have sex. And as a woman, I like, I even feel shame saying that I'm like telling the story and I'm like, Oh, it was like a second night in Mexico and she had sex. Like I'm supposed to feel shame about that. Right. So, but I did, I wanted to have sex with him. And so we were, and he like, he was so lovely the next day he came out and was like, okay. So there was like Friday where we did not have sex. And then Saturday morning he texted me. He's like, where are you? What are you doing? And he like came down to the beach and he hung out and we were in the ocean and Deb was in the ocean and we were all together and he was cuddly and affectionate. And it was just like, he made me feel so safe where to the point where Saturday night, I was like, I am so having sex with this dude. Mm -hmm. And even then, like in bed, every step, are you okay? Are you comfortable? Do you want this? Can I do this? Do you like, to the point where I was like, oh my God, like I was ready to give it, give everything. Yeah, throw my panties like, in your face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, there is nothing if, you know, this is like, you know, hot tip to the dudes, right? Like if you ask for consent, it's a turn on. It makes us feel safe. We yeah. actually are, you know, I don't want to say like we're far more likely to, to say yes, but like, I mean, we, you know, yeah. we, we kind well, of and I assume you, you meant no pun intended with hot tip.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, question though, did you ask him about that? Like, is that, is that how he's always been? Or is it something he's learned of recently?
1: I did. I talked to him about it at length afterwards and he was so floored that this is not how men are. He's one of those guys who was like, wait a minute. He's like, I don't, I just don't feel like that's a thing. It just feels respectful. And that's just what you're supposed to do. Where did he and learn I was that? Like, I don't know. Can we call him right now? (laughs) uh, Yes, let's patch him in. Um, I mean, I think, listen, he's, you know, raised in the Midwest, Catholic family, um, you know, the middle of a bunch of boys. So I think that he, he, you know, is Midwestern values, but I don't know. That's not universal. No. It's not. I don't. I honestly don't know. I honestly don't know. But he... He was so floored by how appreciative, because I was, I was really clear. Like when we got home, I was like, I need to tell you how much that impacted me. And for mm-hmm. me, it was really healing. Um, I was also coming off of, you know, we've. I've told my story um, on your podcast about my eating uh, disorder stuff and my healing and, and all of that. And for me, this trip was very full circle because I had bottomed out in Mexico like in the Caribbean ocean and I was back in Mexico in the Caribbean. And so it felt like a very full circle thing for me and being with this guy, allowing him to like, see my body, hold my body, explore my body. And the whole thing was very healing. And the fact that it was him and the fact that he was so nurturing and so respectful and so kind, um, was such a big deal to me that I needed to express it to him Mm -hmm. And really let him know like what an impact it had, um, on my healing, uh, especially. And he was like, I don't get it. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> like, I mean, he got it. He was like, I'm so glad. And I'm, and I, he's like, but I just don't understand why anyone wouldn't be that way. And I'm like, honey, you <laughs> have no idea. Yeah. yeah. I just, I think that it de- i i don't
0: know i'm not an expert on this but i feel like there for some people it's just they're born with this kind of moral chip and i'm not saying that people are wrong mm-hmm. that don't have this but it's just mm-hmm. sometimes i think some people are just like well that's right and that's wrong and that's how i am right. and maybe their yeah. parents have never talked to them about it or you know, and I hear some people say like, well, my mama didn't raise me that right way. And I'm like, can you be specific? Because like, I, I think that there are really great parents out there, but they're still not having these types of conversations with their children. So, right. you know, I'm speaking specifically with boys. So they're yeah. raised by the culture and they're raised by the media. Yep. And Absolutely. and I you know, I don't know how that Jason person was raised. And for him to think that it's okay to keep going with a girl who's saying no over and over and over again to get your way. Like, I don't, I, I don't know. I just, I feel like maybe he was just, maybe his like real no is, okay, if she pushes me off of her, then she really means it because then that happened. And, um, right.
1: It, it just, I don't, I don't know. I, I, It's all very interesting to me. Well, and I, you know, we were raised in, it's funny because I've just never even heard this term in the last like 20 plus years. But like we were raised in the era of blue balls where, you know, if we didn't, if they didn't release it, it was for – People who are younger listening to this who have no idea what we're talking about, (laughs) blue balls was an excuse that guys use that if they, you know, got hard and they didn't uh, release, then their balls would turn blue basically or, you know, it was really painful for them. Um, If you really loved me, you would. This is
0: how you can show me you love me. Yeah. If you really cared.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it's like, it's all about like their comfort and their, you know, all of that. And, and I just think that, uh, I don't know where I was going with that, but you know, we were just, we were sort of raised in that, in that world. We got, we were raised with like thinking that Jake from 16 Candles was the ideal boyfriend. yeah And now watching that movie, I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs>
0: Yeah, God, what was the other movie that they were talking about that was so, oh, and I was actually a little, I was too young to watch these movies, but like Porky's and Animal House. Yeah. I didn't watch those either. Even Revenge of the Nerds, I think, was a little bit rapey.
1: Yeah. I didn't watch those either. So I don't really, yeah. I mean, I know at Porky's, they were like spying in the girls. Mm -hmm. um, And it was hilarious. So funny. So funny to do that.
0: Well, I guess I guess that about wraps it up. I mean, I have more stories.
1: <laughs> I do So I do too, and that's the thing. It's like I have so many stories, you have so many stories. You know, and honestly, it's funny as we were thinking about it, I was thinking like that experience of being humiliated in high school was actually more traumatizing, I guess consciously, right? Than than my boyfriend having non-consensual sex with me while I was passed out. Um mm-hmm. That, God, that was so, that was so damaging. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I had I had a similar experience. I when I was, I wrote about this in my resignation poem too. When I was, I think 16. I went on a date with this guy, and he was a football player, he was really cute. And we went down to the beach and we were making out and he, it was like very quickly, like we just started kissing, and then it was like Oh, you're like, we're laying down and, Oh, you're unzipping my pants. Like within like 15 seconds. And Mm -hmm. I stopped him. I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, I thought this is what you wanted. And I'm like, because (laughs) I kissed you like, no, it's not. And the next (laughs) on Monday, through the halls and I re- never forget the, the reverberation and like the echoing in the hallway of him and like three or four of his friends who those guys stayed my friends, like through all of high school, like they were the football players. I was a cheerleader, you know, it's like, oh, yay. Um, and they were yelling and kind of like jumping on top of each other and calling me a prick tease. Yep. And there was Brandon, like, you know, within all of them, like kind of embarrassed, like, oh, okay, so it's clear that like you told your friends what happened and what? yelling it in the hallway in between classes and just, but then I'm kind of like, I remember thinking to myself, well, I'd rather be called that than a slut.
1: Right. Cause those are the choices. Those are You're choices. either, those are the, those were the choices when we were in high school. You were either a cock tease or a slut or a
0: prude. Cause one of my friends was, was a prude cause she wouldn't do anything with anybody. And I, I'm sure that that was not easy for her either. And right. they yelled that at her down the hallway. Yep. Right. <sighs> And yeah, and I, I, it just, it's so, it was so confusing growing up. And then I remember, I don't know if I've told this story real quick. My 22nd <laughs> birthday, I was with Thomas and he, long story short, there was these guys that were flirting with us, with me and my girlfriend. And then we, I think we either told the guys that we were with, or they asked us what was going on. And the, the guys, other guys kept like stopping us to talk to us. And we truly were not flirting back or anything. And Thomas and I got into an argument and had to leave on my fucking birthday. And mm. he said to me, I'll never forget, I was in the car. And he's like, well, maybe if you didn't act like such a whore when we were at the bar, none of this would have happened. Yep. And I remember feeling so defeated and just turned my head towards the window because I mm. didn't want him to see me cry. Yeah. And was just quiet because I'm like, to for him to know that that affected me so, like, I felt like when, when our arguments reached that point, point, which that was not the first or the last time that had happened. I knew that there was, it was the point of no return for him. He was so angry Mm. and looking back, that was such his own shit. Didn't have anything to do with me. I was such a trigger for him. And, um, but I knew that there was no going back. Like I could lash it back to him, but he was so hurtful and I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm out. You win. I surrender. I surrender. I didn't want him to see me cry. Cause I felt like, you know, he had won, but that was, that was the thing, you know, it, it just, and I, in some ways believed that, like, I knew I didn't deserve to be called that, but I, I felt like my mere existence was asking for it. Yes. Like how dare yes. I walk yep. through the world with breasts mm. and yes. <laughs> show skin yep. and get the attention of other boys and men.
1: Like, how right. dare I? Right. How dare you.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's the message that I got from him. And that lasted for a long time. Yep. And I just, I want to close this out by saying like, I do really, really love men. I do. Yes. And I I worry that when I have episodes like this, that people are like, damn, Andrea is a man hater.
1: (laughs) I'm not Uh, at all. And, and you know what, even that is, even that fear is part of, like this culture, yeah. right? The fact that we can't tell our, we can't feel free enough to tell our stories that are our truths and own our stories and express anger feeling, around it. and respect, ang, yeah, express anger about it without feeling, um, shame or fear that people are going to think that we're man haters. Like it's so, and you know what? And, and I just want to say this too, like, Because we did say, like, earlier, like, in our last episode, like, how do we invite men into these conversations? Because, like, that's kind of what has to happen, right? And I noticed this in talking with my son, who's 13. And I say the word, and I have to have a conversation with him about this today, actually. Because I said the word, I said something about toxic masculinity, uh, last week. And he got really mad and he went into his room and closed the, and slammed the door. Well, you talked about how you were talking to him about rape culture and he was confused by that. And so now it's toxic
0: masculinity. That's also very confusing for a 13 year old boy.
1: Well, and I think that, and I think that when I talk to him about this stuff, you know, and he sees me as like this raging feminist, (laughs) um, which I am like no holds barred, but I think that he sees it as anti-male. Mm-hmm. And I have to be really careful because, and I do think that even like we have defined toxic masculinity, but I do think that that is a somewhat of a, it can, it can appear as a anti-male, uh, phrase, right? Because you and I know that it's masculinity, which doesn't necessarily mean men or maleness, sure. It it but, but other people don't know that, right? So it's very, uh yeah, it's very confusing. And, and I think that we have to be more careful and I have to be more careful in raising my son to have these conversations with him in a way that doesn't make him feel like he's somehow bad.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Just for being, just for identifying as a male. Yeah. 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 No. And I certainly back to what you said, like I very, and this is why this is a conversation about shit that matters with unqualified people, because it's still unpacking our own stuff. And I agree with you. Like, I feel like I need to explain myself and defend myself and tell everyone like, Hey, I have all this anger and these stories and they're, they've affected the way that I walk around in the world and the way I behave and think and feel. But I don't want you to think that, you know, this, because I, I think that there's a myth that feminists or, or women who do tell their stories and who do express their anger and sometimes rage about it. There's a myth that we hate all men and that all men are trash. And and I want to actually go on the record and say that I absolutely positively don't believe that I've had to unfollow some feminist accounts on Instagram that, that say that. And I'm like, I I actually don't believe that. And I feel like, you know, there was this one woman I was having a kind of a heated conversation that I had to bow out out of on Instagram. And she said, I feel sorry for your son, that you're trying to create a world where your daughter is more important than your son. And I was like... And I did, I replied and I said, absolutely not. That is not what I want in this world. And I said, I want a world where my daughter feels like she is just as important as her brother. Because right now she's walking into a culture where she's going to find out very quickly, if she doesn't already know, that she's not important. She's not as important as her brother just because she's a girl and he's a boy. And I am a true believer that patriarchy and toxic masculinity affects all of us. It's not about, it's not about, you know, the matriarchy and like, I don't want that at all. I think that we'll have yeah. just as many problems
1: oh, yeah, <laughs> the tables turn. Oh, yeah.
0: We'll be in the same yeah. boat. It's just going to look different.
1: Did and you read that book? That. Did you read that book? The power? No, I think I've told you, I told you about it a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's about what happens if women have absolute power, um, and it's it's very interesting. It's a very interesting read.
0: Yeah. It's just it's so multi-layered and I'm I'm just I'm glad to be able to to process all of this with you and and I I super appreciate people listening to now, you know, another long episode and um obviously this is <laughs> is it's
1: deep, I guess is the word just for both of us. Yeah, it is. And it's 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 deep and multi-layered. Yeah, it's, and um I have no doubt that it's that way for my listeners too. I have no doubt. I mean, look, this is the culture that we've all been raised in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and those of us who are mothers are like moving into this whole other sort of next generation, um, aspect of it. That's, that's scary. And it's like, there's a burden of responsibility on us to rewrite this in some way as much as we can.
0: It's, it's, and it's been weird navigating this on a personal level Mm -hmm. and then also, having these difficult conversations with my husband who is still kind of like, Oh, that's what that is, you know? And like still kind of coming to terms with it himself and, and then having to have these conversations with my children because I'm still triggered by a lot of it. And I'm just like, what the fuck?
1: Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> help! Like I'm
0: putting out the call. And, and, and just to say all that, like I am doing my work, my own work for myself and also seeking out experts who can help me have these hard conversations with my children. And I, I just want them to be prepared. And I also want them to feel like they can come to me with their questions and concerns and, and, and fears and all of that, because I didn't, I didn't feel that way
1: <laughs> at all.
0: Well, I want no. my kids to feel safe.
1: No, I what might we not have
0: the get- answers, but at least they're coming yeah. to me.
1: Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I don't think, you know, we would just, our parents were not having these conversations, mm-hmm. you know, it was just, yeah, it's just how things <laughs> were. they were busy watching animal house and porkies.
0: No, I'm just right. kidding. I don't think my parents really did. <laughs> to be but. fair,
1: my mom was reading Gloria Steinem and like my mom was like a pretty rabid feminist, but it, I think it was different. I think it was different. There was the first wave. That was the first wave of feminism and my mom was definitely on the front lines of that. But to the point where I was like, oh, feminism, oh, patriarchy, oh, cry me a river. I yeah. like didn't see it. I didn't get it. Okay. All right, thank you. We can Kate. go on.
0: <laughs> and thank you everyone. I I hope that my hope is that this was helpful in you know hearing two women unpack their own stuff and share their stories and that you can, you know, hopefully think of things because and just real quick, when I walked into my training in 2014, I really felt like there was nothing else that I I didn't feel like there was, I knew I had shame, but I felt like I knew all the stories, like they were clear. Yep, there was that thing that happened and that thing that happened. And as I'm really digging in, and that thing came up for me, and I was like, Holy shit, y'all. Mm-hmm. And um it was, it was humbling. And I think it kind of it like, it was like a body check, just like, whoo.
1: Yeah. sidelined
0: me for a little bit. And I'm, I'm lucky enough to have the tools and the support to be able to move through it. And so for anyone listening who maybe has some of those stories that you've either never told anybody before, or um, they're coming out now with everything that's happening in the news, my hope is that you find the support that you need. Um, therapy, I think is imperative. There are places that you can go where there's low cost therapy, there's online therapy through text and you know, trauma therapy. And there's so many options. I'm actually going to pop a link in the show notes to a past podcast episode I did that was how to find a great therapist and how to get the most out of therapy. I get Mm. that question still every once in a while. It's a past episode and thank you all for your time. I know it's super valuable and I'm incredibly grateful for that. And until next time, everyone, I will see you out in cyberspace. Bye-bye. So this poem is called My Resignation. Dear world, I'm resigning today. Resigning from the job I was given to make you happy and comfortable. I don't remember even applying for this job, but nonetheless, it was handed to me. Somehow, somewhere, a story was bestowed on me and my fellow females that we have a job that is an ever so important one. That job has many rules and responsibilities Here are a short list of the musts. We must smile. We must be pretty. We must be thin. We must be compliant. And the must-nots. We must not get angry. We must not age disgracefully, whatever that means. We must not use foul language. We must not show too much cleavage. We must not share our opinions too forcefully. And if we do share them, they should not offend anyone nor be disagreeable. And if we must say no... We must explain ourselves, apologize, and do whatever deems necessary to make the other person feel as comfortable as possible with our no. And as I turn in my resignation, I have three words for your rules. Fuck that shit. Because I'm done. These rules have been for you. These rules have morphed me into an unrecognizable ragdoll that serves no purpose except to make you comfortable These are not my rules. World, do you know what abiding by these rules has done? Let me paint you a picture. When I was 16, I was pinned down on a beach, sand in my hair, while a boy I was on a date with forced-opened my pants, shoving his hand down my underwear. When I told him no and to get off me, he said he thought that's what I wanted because I had let him kiss me. I liked him, and with his obvious frustration, I felt guilty and wrong for my decision to say no. He took me home, and on Monday at school, I heard the boys laughing and, Prick yelled through the hallways at me while people stopped and stared and whispered. I learned that day, if I didn't follow the rules, if I dared say no, there would be consequences. When I was 17, my boyfriend shoved my head down to his crotch as, I suppose, an unspoken invitation to give him a blowjob. I wanted to say no, I didn't. I hated him while I did it, but I didn't want him to be mad at me. I knew how it went if I said no. When I was 20, I found myself lying under a guy I barely knew, saying the word no over and over again as he continued to undress me. I could have pushed him off me. I could have said no more forcefully, but having known the rules, I worried he would get angry— call me names, or worse, fight back. So I relented to his advances and had sex with him, even though every being in my body screamed no, even though I acted like I enjoyed it, hoping that would help move things along, even though I hated myself while it happened, all in order to make him comfortable and to follow the rules. When it was over, I sobbed and ran to a payphone to call someone to pick me up. I knew how it went if I said no. This went on for another decade, saying yes to men I didn't want to, all in order to please them, to make them comfortable, to put their feelings before mine, to not emasculate them, to allow them to use my body as they so pleased. And this isn't just about sex. It's about everything we're asked to do. We all fist pump when we hear no is a complete sentence, but how many of us do it? When we're faced with the choices of saying no with no explanation or saying no while apologizing, thinking how we'll make it up to them, over-explaining our reasons, and praying to God they don't get mad at us or have their feelings hurt, we choose the latter. Because according to the rules, just a no isn't good enough. According to the rules, only bitches say no as a complete sentence. Well, world, I'd rather be a bitch than go against who I am as a human being. I'd rather be a bitch than let someone shove my face into their dick. I'd rather be a bitch than give in to sex while tears stream down my face and into my ears, staring at the ceiling, counting to 100, hoping he finishes quickly. My daughter... Is 8 years old. No one told me growing up that I didn't have to follow those rules. No one told me that I could grow up and say no without apologizing, without agonizing, without explaining, without making up for it. And I'll be honest, world, it feels weird walking away from this job. I've had it my whole life, and it feels like trying to wipe my skin off, something that's a part of me that I'm terrified to let go of. But if I keep this job, I'll go crazy, So with that, I resign.